Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. We just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad that you are here today. If you haven't downloaded your sermon notes, that's on the little QR code behind the the seat. Uh, There is some few copies in the very back back there at the guest services. Go grab you one of those. You know, that was the first time since 2021 that we passed the offering bucket. You guys did amazing. Come on, give yourself. You give your, you didn't panic. I seen somebody trying to put the whole purse in there. Oh my God, why don't I just put it? Just put it in and let it all go. I love it. Hey, all this month, we've been in this series of relationship status. And uh, we want to kind of wrap this thing up this morning. Glad that Wanatas with us, North Johnson. They're here, Hebron Campus, Westfield. You know, all this month, we've been focusing on the fact of what does it look like in our relationship status, particularly since February is the month of love. What does it look like with our love? And today, we're going to kind of wrap this thing up when we, when we think about the love that God has for us. You know, some theologians say it like this, when we, when we study God's wisdom in the Word, the wisdom of God, we, we learn about the mind of God. What, is, what does God think when we study the power of God in the Word? When we study His miracles, we learn about His arm. We learn about His strength. When you study the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, you learn about the eyes of God. What does He see? But when we study God's love, we learn about the heart of God. This is the real heart of God. When we talk about, for God so loved the world, this is the heart that God manifests to this world. Now, now most of us in this room know there's a tremendous difference in human love and God's love. It's true? Come on. Well, but maybe you don't know. Let me just tell you, human love, most human love is, is always influenced by something You know, she's attractive. He's handsome. Human love is often influenced. It's conditional. So many times it's tied to what we do, what we don't do. It's often changing. Come on. You ever notice that, how love changes? Hopefully it changes for the better. You know, Rhonda and I, 50 years of marriage, our love has grown. It's deeper. there's, There's things about our love today that wasn't there, you know, 50 years ago. Human love is often temporary. The, the, the love that we have sometimes as humans, it's, it's, it's built around conditions or circumstances. You don't believe me. I, I found some Hallmark cards, some love cards that you'll probably never find or see in the store, but I just thought I'd read. Here's one that says, looking back over the years that we've been together, I can't help but wonder what was I thinking? <laughs> you, you probably won't see that one there. Here's another one. I always wanted to have someone to haul, someone to love, someone to be with you, to be with. Having met you, I've totally changed my mind. <laughs> out of the question. Uh, here's another one. As the days and months go by, I think how lucky I am you're not here to ruin it for me anymore. (laughs) 
Now, you, you're not going to find these in the store. I'm going to tell you. Here's one more. It said, I'm so miserable without you. Parenthesis. It's almost like you were here. <laughs> uh, let me give you, I love this. And said, when we were together, you always said you would die for me. Now that we've broken up, I think it's time that you keep your promise. <laughs> Human love. Human love is so fickle. It, 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 it's so influenced and conditional. And yet when we think about the love that God has for us, it's, it's totally unconditional. It's uninfluenced. It's, it's absolutely unchanging. And ultimately, it's, it's eternal. God, God's love is utterly uncaused. He, he loves because that's who he is. You understand that? He, he loves because that's who he is by nature. I love this verse in 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can look. or It's on the screen. It says, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. This unconditional, uncaused, eternal love that God has and he demonstrates is, is something that, that comes out of the fact of who he is. And, and here's the thing about, listen, what separates Christianity from, from every other religion in this world it isn't just the moral teachings that we get out of the scriptures. What, what separates uh, Christianity from all the other world religions isn't the fact that, that Jesus Christ come to this earth and he was a moral example for us. But what truly separates Christianity from all other religions in the world is the fact that Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, he came to this earth over 2,000 years ago, and he took our place. He, he Listen, he paid the penalty for our sins. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he, he, he secured for everyone, everyone who will believe on him, he secured eternal salvation for all who will believe on us. So, so, so when Christianity says that God is love, it announces something that's so unique to, to our faith. And, and never is God's love more more openly seen or demonstrated than the fact that God gave his son. We just sing about it. He gave his son to this world, and Jesus Christ came and he died for us. No place, no other way is a greater demonstration. Look, look what Paul, Paul focuses on this in, in Romans chapter 5. Look at this. I'm just kind of laying some scriptural text and foundation then we're going to navigate this for a few minutes. Here's what Paul said in Romans 5 and 6. You see, just at the right time. Everybody say, right time. Right time. Listen, I want to tell you, I, some of you need to hear this today. From eternity all the way to now, from the beginning to the very end, God is a God who knows how to operate on the right timing. Understand that. Listen, I know sometimes we live in this broken world. 
We, we have things going on around us, and we, 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 we have struggles trying to figure out, why hasn't God done this? Why, why isn't this sick, fixed? And why isn't this solved? And listen, every one of us struggle with timing sometimes. God, where are you at? You ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever prayed that prayer? God, where are you at? Paul said just at the right time. God knows what it is to operate on time. In the end, when, when God wraps up this old broken world, when he brings the conclusion of everything, I don't know when that time's going to be. You don't know when that time's going to be. Listen, God himself knows. And listen, it will be right on time. Come on, somebody, somebody needs to hear that right now. You understand that? So Paul says this, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were blind, when we were broken, when we were separated, Christ died for the ungodly. Understand this. Listen, Christ didn't die for the good. He didn't die for the wealthy. He didn't die for the religious. He died for the powerless and the ungodly. This is a great message. That this gives us hope that Christ didn't wait till we got till we got lovable. He didn't wait till we fixed ourselves. He didn't. He doesn't wait till we clean ourselves up. Listen, He died for the powerless and the ungodly. Well, that's pretty good preaching. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. This is what he did. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about love. Listen, the love that God has is a love of action. It's not even a love of emotion. We think about emotion with love. It's a love of action. He demonstrated his love while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Now listen, I, I just want you to just, just seal on that for a second because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down. What does it mean for us? Listen, we live in this, this incredible, mixed up, confused, broken world right now. I mean, this world is so far away from, from not just our forefathers. I mean, people always talk, man, America is so far. Listen, we, we, this world isn't just far away from our forefathers. We are way away from God's original design and purpose. Can I get an amen on that? We live in this world right now where it's so easy for us as believers in Christ followers to say, wait a minute, this is a... This is a crazy world. There's mixed up people. There's people's behavior. There's people's attitude. They're, they're doing things. They're saying things. They're believing things. It's so easy for us sometimes as believers to say, why don't we just be through with this? Why don't we just walk away? Why don't we just be done? Let's just stay in our holy huddles and forget about the world. This verse right here reminds us why God called us to this broken world. 
Because every one of us was powerless. Every one of us were ungodly. Every one of us, you know, found ourselves as yet sinners. But yet God died for us. All of the blessings that, that we have in our lives as Christ followers, our salvation, our forgiveness, everything that, listen, everything absolutely evolves around the fact that Jesus Christ loved us and demonstrated that love by dying on the cross. And you and I can never forget that because that's our motivation. That, that this what continues to move us into this broken world where we don't stay separated from this world. We allow ourselves to be used by God mightily. So today for us to kind of grasp the character of God's love and to try to understand it, I want to talk to you about the proposition of God's, un, the, the, the unlimited extent of God's love. Because as I was thinking about how do we wrap this, this whole relationship status up, it's nothing more important right now in our culture and our world for the church to be madly in love with God and to, to truly understand his love for us that that's what keeps motivating us not to abandon our world, not to walk away from our world, not to say this person's gone too far, that person's too far, that, that person's a heretic, that Democrat this, that Republican that. that but listen, you understand, we have to be under, understand the fact we are left in this world so we can continue to grow God's kingdom and his family. That's why we're here. That's the reason why God hasn't taken you to heaven yet. You still have a heartbeat. You still have a pulse because you and I still have a purpose. Yeah. I want to look at God's unlimited extent, this, this general, universal, um, unconditional love that he has for this world that has to be our motivation what keeps you motivated to keep sharing and witnessing and reaching out? What keeps you motivated to keep passing on what God's doing in your life to your friend, to your family member, to, to your coworker? What keeps us motivation? We have to be brought back to the fact of God's amazing, amazing love that he has for us. I want you to look at chapter, Matthew chapter 5. Actually, Matthew chapter 5 really gives us a background on John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. If you can understand Matthew chapter 5 and a little bit what Jesus is saying here, I'm just going to read you a couple of verses. I call attention to some others. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 43. He said, you have heard it said. I put it in your notes for instance. This, this is your Jewish theology, Okay. This is what you hear at the synagogue. This is what the, the theologians are teaching in Jesus' day. This is what all the religious people understood to be what they should be doing. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, now what's this? That's the existing theology in Jesus' time. Hate your enemy being Love Jews, hate Gentiles. Love, love 
love your kind, love your family, love, love your friend, but hate your enemies. Okay? That's what they were taught. And, and listen, and in that culture, they despised the Gentile world. They, they despised those that were outcasts. And sinners. There's a reason why Jesus had so much trouble with religious people when he was eating with the sinners or he were talking to the woman at the well that was a Samaritan. She was an outcast. The religious world just absolutely just got totally blown away by seeing Jesus do that. But Jesus said, listen guys, I understand. This is what you've been taught. And guess what? It's reoccurring in our American culture right now. As Christians, we love the pro-life people, but I tell you what, them pro-abortion people, they're lost. Oh, did I just say that? Oh, that was my inner thoughts. Do we see it in our culture? We love the Republicans. That they, we hate the Democrats. Now listen, it's what was being taught. I pro- Pastor Phil, stop meddling. Just preach, okay? Let me talk. Let me have a little self-talk here. Some of you are going to pick up stones. Don't throw a book. Don't throw nothing. I love you. But listen, I, I believe with all within me, every person in this room, every person in our campus, we have people that in our lives that we desire that they be saved. We don't want them to be lost. We don't want them to be eternally separated with God. But the way that we do that is we have to constantly be embracing the love that God has and sometimes go against the grain what is being said on social media. Well, you love this group, but you better hate this group over here. Well, Jesus said, that's what you've been hearing, guys. That's what you've been taught. Love your own, hate, despise the Gentiles, the Samaritan, the half-breed. But then verse 44, here's the phrase, but I say to you, I say to you, love your enemies. Listen, I beg of you, I, I plead with you as a pastor Do not get so wrapped up in a political party that your party becomes more important than this book. We cannot get so wrapped up in this world's mindset that we stop doing what Jesus tells us to do. I'm not saying don't have your views. I'm not saying don't have your belief. I'm just saying stop looking at everybody else as our enemy. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said don't just love your own. Don't Don't just love those in your family. Don't just love people at Heartland. He said I want you to love your enemy. And he said you show love. But, but you, you show, you demonstrate that love by praying for those who persecute you. You understand Jesus did that? He's on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's praying for these, these, these haters. He's praying for these persecutors. He's praying for these unbelievers. He's praying for those people that was around the cross saying, crucify, crucify. Jesus is saying, Father, 
forgive them. And guess what? The early church, Stephen was, was one of the early church leaders. And Stephen, in Acts chapter, when you start reading about the church and, and Stephen's life, the Bible says that Stephen, they took him outside the city and they picked up rocks and they started stoning him because they didn't want to hear what Stephen is saying. You know what? Listen, Stephen didn't get in a rock battle with them. Some of us, every time somebody throws a stone at you, you won't pick up and get a bigger one. Why? Put the rock down. Stephen said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Isn't that an amazing way to live? Do we need another song? Maybe another song. I just feel like, listen, just relax. I love you. I love you. I love you. God loves you. This is going to help us. I guarantee you when we get through with this message, some of you are going to say, wow, I sure I'm sure glad you preached that because my neighbor needed that real bad. Yeah. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why, why is he challenging us to do that? Look, look at, if you look at verse 45, he tells us why. He said, in order that you may be sons of your Father who was in heaven. Jesus said, you really want to demonstrate to this world that you belong to your father. You really want to demonstrate that you are of the same family that you say you are, that you are Christ's follower. You, you really want to demonstrate that you're a child of God. He's, the point is, is, listen, when you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you, he said, guess what? You're just demonstrating that you're a child of your father. Yeah. He's just like his daddy. You ever hear somebody say, he's just like his daddy. Boy, that's a compliment for the world to say that about you and I as Christ followers. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Boy, he's just like, I can't believe my pastor. He's just like Jesus. He eats with the sinners. He prays for the wicked. I mean, I just tell you what, I just, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a compliment for us. Did you see Susie on the lunch break? She's over here sitting by this person that, is, that has a lifestyle that is totally against what Susan believes in, and yet she's sitting having lunch and conversation with her, and she's opening her heart and opening her ears and listening to this person's story. That's a compliment. Some of you have got to stop allowing the enemy make you feel bad because you're still compassionate to this broken world that we got around us. Because that's the real demonstration of God's love that, that we demonstrate. Listen, God, God doesn't just love his family. He loves his enemies. When Jesus is dying on the cross, he's not, he's not demonstrating his love just to the apostles. He's not extending his love just to his mother Mary that's at the cross. Listen, he died for the world. He loves the world. I love that about, that's our Heavenly Father, because I was blind, I was lost, I was wicked, I was in darkness, and yet while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Oh, glory! That's a great message of hope. I love the story, and I don't have time, I, I run out of time first service, and I blame no Pastor Lindsay, she worshiped too long, but, but not really, it's just... But in Mark chapter 10, there's a, there's a great story about this young rich ruler who comes to Jesus and says, 
you know, what, what must I do to have eternal life? How many understand that's a great question, isn't it? What, what, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And he's basically asking Jesus, you know, what, what needs to happen? And Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you know the law? Remember we studied the whole question thing last year. Jesus had this great art of when somebody asked him a question, he would answer a question with a question. Jesus said, don't you know the law? Do not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear fault witness. And the guy said, you know what? Guess what, Jesus? I've done all of this. Jesus is trying to get this guy to confront his own violation of the law. Jesus is trying to get him to confront his own brokenness. But on the contrary, this guy says, I've kept all these from my youth. In other words, he said, I've never broken the law. That's unbelievable, isn't it? That somebody would tell Jesus, hey, dude, you're looking at somebody holy. I got this thing together. I'm righteous. Jesus says, you want to have eternal life? Very first prerequisite of salvation is the acknowledgement of our sinfulness. You understand that? It's the reason why we have the law. It's the reason why it's good to understand some of the Old Testament. Is because, listen, we have to recognize, first of all, that we're a sinner. We'll never be able to have eternal life as long as we don't acknowledge that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus confronts this guy's sin, but he stands there and he has the audacity to deny that. I'm not a sinner. And here, here, here's a unique thing about this. Jesus doesn't quit on this guy. He doesn't give up on this dude. I mean, this guy says, hey, you're looking at somebody. I've been doing that since I was a youth. Now listen, here's our problem again in this culture. We've got to understand there are people today that will not acknowledge they need a Savior. Well, I need to be saved. I'm just as good as anybody else. Uh, there's Joe works at our place, and he says he's a Christian. I guess what? I'm a lot better worker than Joe. You ever had somebody compare themselves with somebody else? And here's the problem with that, is that so many times when somebody denies their sinfulness, we just walk away and we give, well, I tell you what, that person never be saved because they'll never acknowledge their law. Jesus doesn't give up on this guy. You know what he does? Because he, Jesus said, listen, Understand you're struggling here, but there's a second component to this, to this salvation thing. You, there's a second component to eternal life. You not only have to admit you're, you're a sinner, you have to acknowledge and submit to the lordship, of, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Go sell what you have. He says this in verse 21. Go sell everything you have, take your money, give it to the poor, and just follow me. Okay? So Jesus says, I, I think Jesus was giving this guy a little bit of a, a window of opportunity. Maybe, maybe you don't quite yet see your sinfulness, but hey, guy, if you'll just take everything you got, go sell it, give it to the poor, and just come follow me. And the Bible says this guy walks away. He walks away sad. Why? Because he had money? No. He walks away sad simply because he wouldn't follow Jesus. He walked away because he didn't acknowledge there's an imperfection in me. Yeah, I've done some of this stuff, but guess what? I haven't been totally complete 
of doing all this stuff all the time. And yet the Bible looks at Jesus and this guy walks away. He walks away sad, not because he owned property, but, but because, listen, he didn't think he was a sinner. What Jesus was doing, Jesus was holding up a mirror and says, listen, you, you think you own stuff? Guess what? Here's your problem. Your stuff owns you. You understand? That's what he's saying. You think you got possessions? <laughs> no, 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 no. Those possessions have done got a hold of you. And I'm asking you, to give and follow, and you can't do that. Now, most of us would say, okay, the dude gets what he deserves. He won't acknowledge he's a sinner. He, he, won't, he won't give up control of his life. So I'm done with it. Hey, I've witnessed this guy, Pastor Phil. I've tried to share my faith with this lady for several months and years now. And I, my family, and I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just, well, the Bible says Jesus looked at him. Look at verse 21. And he did what? He looked at him and he what? He loved him. I want you to get this. Get this with me. Jesus, Jesus here, he looks at this overt, openly, non-repentant, non-submissive, Christ rejecter. And he loves him. He loves him. He doesn't give up on him. He loves him in spite of him not doing anything that Jesus has asked him to do. Now here's where we, here's where we struggle in our culture today. The reason why the American church is still shrinking in so many communities around America is the fact that somehow or another we think if a person won't acknowledge their, that Christ, is, that, that they're in need of a Savior, they won't follow Jesus, that somehow or another we need to write the dust off of our hands and forget about them and turn them over, let them go, rather than saying, you know what, in spite of... I still love you. If you ever need to talk, call me. I'm here. I won't judge you. I just, I just want to tell you, I know you're in a place that I feel like you don't want to be, but you're there. And right now, you're, you're not responding to anything that God is doing or I'm doing. But guess what? I still love. Anybody ever had those people in your life when, when you tried, 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 and, and then they call you and you, you don't answer? Because you say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I've talked to, I've talked to a blue in the face to that person. I'm, I'm just going to block them. You understand? Listen, boy, this is good. Do we need another song? Maybe another song will help us. You understand Jesus never blocked anybody? He had, a, he had every right to block some people. He had every right for Simon Peter that denied him three times and made all this boast that, you know, that, that, you know Simon, Simon, Simon is so human. He's just so human. And you, you read Simon's story and you think, dude, he's like me. You know, Simon, you know, Jesus walking on the sea and Jesus said, it is I. And Simon says, well, if it be you, Lord, I just said it is I, okay? 
I just told you. But if it be you, Lord, bid me to come. Just so human, isn't it? Just, just so human. Well, Jesus said sitting around the table. He's telling what's going to happen, betrayal. Peter said, listen, Lord, I'm going to tell you right now. Listen, I'm, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. I don't care what these other suckers at the table do. do hey, you can count on me, bro. I'm there with you. <laughs> Jesus said, Peter, the cock before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. But he didn't give up on Peter. He didn't block Peter. That wasn't, that, I promise you, that was not in my notes. Somebody need to hear that. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He didn't say God loved the elect. He didn't say God loved the perfect. He didn't say God loved the religious. He said God loved the world. God loved the whole world. The world that is oftentimes blind and darkness and wicked and pushing him away. God still loves the world. And we can't forget that. In 2024, it has to be something that stays at the forefront of not just our minds, but our hearts. Jesus overturns the heart of racism. 1 John 4 and 14 says, We have beheld and we bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of who? Come on. The seed, the Savior of the, the world. Have you stopped and looked at the, who the world includes today? Do you realize who's in the world today? God knew that 2,000 years ago. God knew exactly where culture would be. It's like the Roman culture. He saw it there. He saw this 21st century that we in. He saw further than this if time allowed. But listen, in the midst of that, God had that bared witness when the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's the reason why God can say in Ezekiel 33 and 11, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't, God doesn't get any joy when he sees a wicked person die that, uh, that, that has rejected him, that has walked away from him. God, listen, there is no pleasure. God isn't some sick God in heaven that smiles when that sinner person dies out on the highway because of alcohol or because of drugs. God doesn't say, yeah, they got what they got comes into them. No, it breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God to see the wicked perish. That's the reason why he says in 2 Peter 3 and 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The other day when I was preparing this message and I read that scripture, he's not willing that any should perish, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, if Christ is not willing that any should perish, then we should never write anyone off. He's not willing to, wait, wait a minute, you, you, you know how people are today? You know their belief system? You know their behavior? You're, but 
He's not willing that any should perish. God so loved the world. Isn't that amazing? It's humbling that he would have, 1 Timothy 2 and 4, it's humbling that he would have all men to be saved. Surely, surely, surely. Listen, we got a Democrat party today. We got a Republican party. We, surely you didn't mean all men. All, not all men, right? He will not have, he, he will have all men to be saved. But here's my challenge to us. And I, listen, this church, we do, we do amazing. Listen, I know I'm preaching to the choir on, on some of this. Listen, what I'm truly asking God, because it, it is a fight in our culture right now for the church to keep walking in love in this broken world and the culture that keeps to seemingly be doing so many things against the Word of God in, in, in spite of God's love. It, it is a fight for us to keep loving some, some of our family members, some of our friends, some of our coworkers, some of our, it is a fight. But let me tell you, it is a fight that he's already fought and won. Who am I to give up on? That makes sense? Thank, thank you, sisters. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm a cheering section right here. I love it. So, everybody take a deep breath. Because listen, God wants us to operate in this kind of love. And I guarantee you, if I had time to pass this microphone around today, I guarantee you, every person in this room, you could tell me somebody that you have in your life right now that you could say, Pastor Phil, my love for them is being challenged, and here's why. Understand that. Understand that. But I'm saying, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm saying, you understand how much God loves you, and he loved you in spite of your lovingness. He loved you in spite of your sinfulness, and you understand that. And because you understand that, you're willing to stand and keep passing it on to other people. Now, what they do with it is up to them. But listen, I never want, listen, I never want to be a person that somebody might one day stand before the throne room of God and say, had it not been for him, I might have loved Jesus. Had it not been for the way they talked to me or treated me or ignored me or abandoned me. Are, are you with me? I, I just don't want, I don't want that hanging over my head. I a whole lot rather deal with religious people that have. Listen, you know, you know what I've noticed when I'm, when I'm around wicked, sinful people, the people of the world that bikers, let me just, because everybody says, oh, yeah, you're wrong. But yeah. you, you know what I've noticed about, you know, what, you know a biker, what a biker will never do? A biker will never, ever tell me I can't pray for them. I don't care what they, I've had them say, I don't believe in God. I've had them say, I don't believe in prayer. But I've said, listen, would it be okay if I just pray for you? Not one time have I had them say, don't you do that. No, you know what? Because just for a moment, they see somebody standing in front of them that has a ray of hope that they believe God can still do something with my life. You understand that? Now listen, some of you have got some of those same people in your life. 
So listen, when, when, you, when you think about this love, you say, okay, Pastor Phil, you, really God loves everybody. He loves the world. Really, really he's not willing that ever, anybody should perish. Listen, let, let, me, let me give you real quickly. I've just, I've just got to wrap this thing up. I want to show you how God's love is demonstrated. Number one, real quickly, just the common grace. Everybody say common grace. Listen, all we have to do right now is look around this world and just see there are certain kindnesses, there are certain goodnesses that God has for the world that is just common. If you ever question if God, if God truly loves the world, all you got to do is look around and recognize that, that God has this ability that he, that he causes this, the sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Listen, God, listen, rain comes on everybody. He, listen, flowers grow in every knucklehead's yard. Listen, listen, people get blessed in ways sometimes we don't under, how, how can, I, I'm working at the same place, they get a raise, I don't, I, I, listen, I, I go and I do the best I can, their kids are getting A's, my kids are barely getting C's, what, what, what is this God, where's your favor? No, he, there's just common grace over here happening, and I, that, that gives me hope. Because when I want to write somebody off, all I have to do is say, wow, you understand that they still have the common grace of God going on in their life today? God, help me to recognize that in my own life. And it's just common grace. They don't deserve it. They, they can't earn it. But secondly, we see this, we see this demonstrated through, through, through the love that God has. It's a love of compassion. When we say God loves the world, it's not that he sees so much lovable. It's almost a broken heartedness kind of love. It's almost like a love that says, I know you're not lovable, but I still love you. When God looks at the world and looks at these men and women that is rejecting him and rejecting his word and walking away, listen, God doesn't see high value there. He has this love of pity. He has this love of compassion. It's, it's a sadness. There's a, there's a universal grief that God has when he looks at this world. It's, it's almost like, you know, when you, and I, when you and I drive through a broken part of the city, and we see prosperity on one side, and then we, we drive through, and we see poverty, we see sadness, we see, we see brokenness. And it's like, oh, wow, man, I just feel for, for the families that have to deal with that. Psalms 147 says that God heals the brokenhearted. Nehemiah 9 and 19 says this, listen, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. You understand that God didn't write Israel off when they were wandering around in the wilderness, unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. God did not abandon them, listen, because he had this great compassion of them. And it's the same way for the lost of this world. He's not willing that any should perish. God keeps sending you. He keeps sending me. God keeps putting something on Facebook. He starts, he, he keeps putting a podcast. God keeps sending message after message after message, just hoping that you'll wake up. Say, look, look, look. I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on you, man. You, you, you kept ignoring this one, but now I've got this other one in your life. 
It's a compassion. It's a sadness. It's a love. When, 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 when Jesus went to Jerusalem and uh, he looks over the city, the Bible said that, that Jesus looked at the city and he was moved with compassion. The Bible said Jesus wept. He wept over this city. He, he didn't see greatness. He see brokenness. He, he saw unbelief. He, he, he saw men and women that was rejecting him and others that would, would reject him even greater to the point that they would crucify him. But the Bible said when Jesus looked over that city, he, he wept. It was, it was a compassionate heart. And listen, what I'm asking God in my life when I'm praying for you is that you and I, when we see these people that are broken, when we, when we see the ugliness of their sin, it's, it's demonstrated on their choices and their behavior. We see their bodies sometimes marked up. We see, we see choices that are visual of, of the lifestyle that they're living. But instead of us feeling angry or upset or resentful, we look at those people and we feel compassion for them. We say, oh, man, how broken do you have to be on the inside to be looking like that on the outside? Is that good preaching? Come on. How broken do they have to be to look like that and behave like that? How broken do they have to be here? That they're carrying those things visual. Jesus has this love of compassion. He has this, this common love. But then there's this love of warning. There's repeated warnings throughout the scriptures of coming judgment. And again, if God really didn't love love us, he wouldn't warn us. He loves us. He cares about us to the point that that the scripture is filled with warnings and judgment that's going to happen. Listen, but it's love that motivates God in doing that. God loves man enough to warn them. Jesus kept telling people, unless you repent, you will perish. It it was a love that he had when he said that. It wasn't like, hey, boy, you better get right or you're done. You follow me? It was a a love that that allowed him. Here's what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's just, just one passage. There's many. He said, all this trouble is a clear sign that God has decided to make you fit for the kingdom. You're suffering now, but justice is on the way when the master Jesus appears out of heaven in a blaze of fire with his strong angels. He'll even up the score. Oh, listen, that's the hope of the Christ follower in 2024, that Christ is coming He's going to come as as a blaze of fire. He's going to have his angels listen, and he's going to even up the score. He's going to settle accounts with those who gave such a bad time. His coming will be the break we've been waiting for. Then he says this. Those who refuse to know God and refuse to obey the message will pay for what they've done. External exile from the presence of the master and his splendid power is their sentence. You, you, you know, people talk, you, you know what hell is really going to be? It's eternal separation from God. It's, it's God finally giving some people what they think they want. 
You know what? Some people think they won't. God, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Let me live my life. Leave me alone, Holy Spirit. Leave me alone, Mama. Leave me alone, Daddy. Leave me alone. Let me alone. You know what's going to happen on the day of judgment? When the separation happens, you get what you ask for. You get what you ask for. Oh, there's going to be hell. There's going to be torment. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But many theologians believe that it isn't because they're feeling physical pain as much as it is they're feeling emotional heartbreak that God has abandoned them forever. That's why we keep loving the lost. That's why we keep praying for those family members and those friends and those co-workers. That's why we keep coming back in spite of what they're doing or not doing. Because we know ultimately God has given us the warning in the scriptures. But on that very same day when he comes, he will be exalted by his followers and celebrated by all who believe. All because you believed what he told you. It's a love that warns. Be careful. You, you see it with parents. Hey, baby, I love you, but if you keep eating all that whole bowl of Cheerios, you're going to get sick. Careful. I love you. I'm not trying to be mean. Put the spoon down. Right? Come on. It's a love that warns. It's, and, and we as parents understand that. That's the way God, listen, we understand that as, as earthly fathers and moms because this is how our Heavenly Father operates. And then lastly, it's a love manifested by the gospel offer. Ultimately, everything God does for loving this world, built around His compassion, built, built around the, the, the love that's been demonstrated to us, the, the common grace is built around the fact that he, he warns us, but it's manifested through the gospel. Listen, Matthew 11 and 28. This is from the Message Bible. I love, I love the, 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 the drawn out of, he said, are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take the real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, that's the love of God. That's the, that's the call of the gospel. The love of God calls and gives us salvation. Jesus says, come to me who? Come to me who? He said, come to me all you who are labored and heavy laden. All you who are weary. That's the message. Everybody, hey, are you tired? How many people did you look at this last week? And they tired. They wasn't just physically tired. You look at their eyes. And they're exhausted. They're worn out. Our message, God loves you. He offers you rest. You want rest? You want to get rid of all that guilt and that condemnation that you're fighting in yourself? Come to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Come on. 
Let me give you two action points and then we're going to come to the Lord's table. There's just two things I want you to think about as we come around the Lord's table. Number one, I think we're challenged more so today than ever just to meditate on the love of God. We're challenged to meditate on the love of God. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. That's also why the world doesn't recognize us and take us seriously because it has no idea who he is and what he's up to. The world doesn't understand it. Does the world understand when you love your family and you love your friends? Yeah, they can relate to that. When they see you loving your enemies, when they see you treating those that's bad, good that's treated you bad, can I tell you the world says, what crazy nut are you? You know what you can say? I'm a Jesus nut. (laughs) I, I, I believe what Jesus says. Love my enemy. Pray for them that persecute me. And and the world doesn't understand that. But listen, every day, some of you, before you go to work, before you have to have a phone call with that friend or that family member, you need to take just a minute and say, you know what, God, let me just meditate on the love that you have for this world. And then secondly, we have to know and believe that love that Jesus has for us. We have to believe that. We have to know it, but we have to believe it. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him. 1 John 4, and he in us, he's given us his life. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we see for ourselves, and we continue to state openly, that the Father sent his Son as a Savior of who? The world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God participates continuously in the intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it in heart and soul. This love that comes from God. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.